success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is the desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super excited to have you here with us today because I am here with the most amazing guest, Bill Prater. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for being here today, Bill. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome. I, for those of you who don't know, I met Bill on the Bad Girls in Business podcast and absolutely fell in love because he was talking my language, and uh, I'm going to let him do the majority of the introducing, but Bill, tell us who you are and give us a 5,000 foot view of what you do. So who I am is Bill Prater, also known as the world's business alchemist. And I've had that title, uh, Michelle, for about uh, 15 years now. And that's because uh, what I do is I help uh, business owners dynamically scale their business, their revenue, their cash flow, and their business value without wasting time and money on trying all the newfangled uh, hot tactics of the day, if you will. Nice. See, peeps, now you know why I was all hot and bothered about having Bill on the show. You're talking my language. I love talking strategic growth and scaling and all sorts of fun things. And you had, well, I'm going to yeah, I was going to break the news to them gently, but it's already in the title of the show, so it really doesn't matter, I guess. But you're going to teach us how to run the business on one piece of paper. How do you do that? So the, uh, the, the primary, well, I've got a variety of little techniques and tools and so forth. And the one we're going to talk about now is called Pareto to the third power. So Vilfredo Pareto, uh, uh, was the, not exactly, but Joseph Duran took Pareto's work and created what we all know as the 80-20 rule, which uh, is a quick review, means that 20% of the inputs will typically produce 80% of the output. So that applies to customers. So 20% of the customers produce 80% of the revenue. Uh, that applies to business development people. 20% of the salespeople produce 80% of the results. Uh, that applies to problems. 20% of the most common problems cause 80% of all the problems, et cetera. So that's, if you will, Pareto in the 80-20 rule. Now I said to the third power, what that means is uh, if you take uh if you, if you will, let's use 100, 100 items, we know therefore that 20 items produce 80% of the output. So that's Pareto to the first power, one time. So the second time means that if you take the 20% of the input and apply the ratio again, 
20% of 20 is four or four items produce 80% of the 80%. So eight times eight is 64, meaning that four items produce 64 of, uh, percent of your output. So that's the second time. So the third time is uh, if we take 20% of four, it comes out to 0.8, but let's round it up to one item. One item produces 80% of 64 or little over 50%. Simplifying all of that tells us that there's probably one thing in our business that produces over half of the result. And once that uh, philosophy, it's, not a, it's more than a philosophy, it's an actual tool. Once that gets internalized, Michelle, then we can take a very, very complex business and go through that exercise in a variety of areas. For example, let's use uh, output, cost, quality, and time. So let's just use quality. So what we know, if we look at quality and say, well, for example, in many people's businesses, refunds would be an example of, a, of, of poor quality. Somebody wants their money back, they didn't like what they got. So if you use this Parader to the third power principle, you can start figuring out the single or maybe two or maybe three items in the area of quality, refunds might be one of them, which if you focus your attention there, you can take care of a, of, of a huge amount of the issues with quality. Returns or others, uh, cycle times or others, uh, rework if you're in the manufacturing business or others. But so that, uh, so I answered, uh, give you a lot of input, but the net of it is we can manage literally any size company with one piece of paper, meaning simply that if you think about a computer screen or an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper uh, in, with goals, the actuals and the variants on there, uh, we can have maybe 12, maybe 15 items. Most people, Michelle, can actually keep track of 12 to 15 items. And that's really all you need to run any business. Nice. I was going to say, well, most people can take care of one piece of paper. And I'm like, yes, I can keep track of one piece of paper for sure. <laughs> I, I got that. I got that one down, Pat. This is all, all awesome. So let, give, let's back up the bus a bit and give people kind of a the story of how you got into all of this. How did this become your jam? So uh, back in the day, I thought I should leave IBM because I didn't like the lack of freedom. I thought, gee, here I am in this gigantic company and I don't matter a bit. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go and start my own business and create freedom. It's, you know, kind of the dream. So I did. And uh, in fact, over the years, many, many, many businesses. But the one that answers the question you just asked me was that I, I founded an investment banking firm. Kind of a crazy first business, I suppose. But I did that. And uh, we ended up with about um, 170 people who worked for me. Uh, the vast majority were in, uh, within, were in on Wall Street in New York City. 
Uh, I was out in Seattle with uh, five of us. And so we had two offices. We had the giant office in New York and a little teeny office in, in Seattle. But what I discovered after about 15 years, Michelle, was that I had a, uh, uh, an ordinary business. In a, by that, I mean, uh, you really couldn't differentiate my company, which was called Weatherly Private Capital. Um, and you couldn't differentiate. I couldn't verbalize how we were different than all the other players. And we were little, uh, but we weren't very valuable. I mean, I made a decent living. I didn't have the freedom I wanted, by the way. I was working like crazy. So I um, uh, decided I need to get out of this business. This is very hard. It was a very hard business. It was very risky, very hard. So I said, well, I'm going to just take a look at the investment banking industry and I'll do, I'll figure out what the best practices are and I'll do that and I'll turn my whole world upside down. I'll become just a beautiful flower and very unique. Well, the truth of, uh, of the matter is, Michelle, that was the craziest, dumbest, dead brainish idea you could ever have. And unfortunately, here we are uh, some 20, three or four years later, and the vast majority of business owners do exactly what I said. They embrace crazy, brain dead, average ideas, because that's what everybody else in the niche does. So we'll do that and we'll be great. If you just think that logic through, Michelle, it's it's crazy. So if you're going to do what the average player does, you're going to create an average business. And if you work really hard at doing what the average person does, you're going to still have an average business. So I didn't like that. I mean, I realized I spent years trying to be, you know, fine tune the average, if you will. And I kept coming up with dull and plain. So one day I had a chance to meet with a friend of mine who was a competitor, and she owned an elite business in my industry, elite. Everybody knew her. She was little. It was a little business, but she was unique. And I told her what I was doing, and she started giggling. She said, Bill, you're looking in entirely the wrong place. You've got to figure out what the elite players are doing and do that. And I said, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I look back and I think, well, it did make a lot of sense. And now 20 some odd years have gone by and the majority, the vast majority, I'm gonna say 90% of business owners do exactly what I'm describing. Any event. So she told me to copy the elite people. So I said, well, what do you do that's different? She says, well, tell you what, here's another secret. What I do differently then the average player in the investment banking business is exactly the same as the elite people in the computer uh, business do. It is exactly the same as the elite people in the, in the uh, uh, airline industry do. And you went, she went through a whole bunch more. And I said, well, why did you pick, why did you pick computers and why did you pick airline business? She said, because there's a great example of people just doing what everybody else does. He said, I said, she said, but you can pick out one computer person. And I said, Steve Jobs. She said, yeah, 
Now, does he do anything, anything IBM does or Burroughs or NCR? No, he doesn't do anything what they do. And I said, well, how about the airline business? And I go, ah, oh, Richard Branson. She said, yeah, does Richard Branson do anything that anybody in regular business does? And the answer is no, they don't. So the point uh, of this is, if you want to have a business that's anything other than ordinary, you cannot do what the ordinary, uh, ordinary players do. You figure out what the, what the elite players do. And, 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 and the good news is, they, they really all do the same two or three things. The first thing they do is they have a different mindset. So if you think about Elon Musk or Oprah Winfrey or uh, Steve Jobs, et cetera, if you think about those people, Jeff Bezos, you think about those people, they're maniacs and wild people and they think totally outside the box. And, and uh, uh, so number one, they have an entirely different mindset. And their mindset is, I just might as well be number one. I don't care if it's a competitive industry. I don't care if there's no profit margin in it. I don't care if anything, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, what the heck? I think I'm just gonna build the best, world's best electric car. Heck with General Motors, heck with Ford. I don't care about Chrysler. I don't care about Mercedes-Benz. I don't care about Fiat. I don't care about any of those people. I am going to all by myself create this best electric car. And, 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 and when you look back in history, you say, well, sure. You know, he's a multi-billionaire, but that's not how he started. And, and so number one, you gotta have a different mindset. Uh, you gotta have a mindset like the elite players. And, and uh, most people think they can't do it. And the truth of the matter is almost everybody on the planet used to do it when they were a kindergartner. So I say to people, think like a kindergartner, anything's possible, think that. And what happens is that most people think you're crazy. But some people don't. And the people that don't think you're crazy, they're the ones that buy onto your dream or vision, and they're the ones that are going to help you get there. So that's you know kind of number one. Number two is, for these elite players, is that they all run their businesses very systematically. So if you really look into any of those uh, you know, major companies that I mentioned and their founders, they all have they run their thing the same way. You look at Oprah when she had her when her when she had her television program, it was always exactly the same recipe. I mean, it, it, she didn't randomly have people show up. She had certain people. She ran through a certain thing. She had commercials at the same time. She attracted various people to sponsor her. Uh, you know, uh, sponsor uh, pay for advertisements on her show. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same with Apple. Same with with uh, Richard Branson, it's very systematized. So number two, all the elite players in every niche have a very systematized business at the management level. Now, at the management level doesn't mean that you run Facebook ads. That's not a management level system. That's a advertising system, which is not wrong with it, but it may or may not be the right thing to do in your business if you've got the right kind of a management system, which is something that's connected with this outrageous vision that you have. So you got outrageous vision, AKA mindset, a strategy uh, that you put in place to get yourself to that vision, to realize it, 
And then third, a system, which a management system, which allows you to run your business day to day to day to day, which means that all the activity is connected with your strategy. And as a result, all the activity is connected with the outrageous, crazy, stupid vision that you have in place. So that's the second thing that these elite players do. And the third thing they do, Michelle, is that they all rely on team. So if you look at Elon Musk, he's not making any cars. He's not buying any parts. He's out there being outrageous and attracting people to buy his car. That's what he's doing. And so uh, the team uh, is the key. So it can be employees, it can be contractors, it can be vendors, it can be customers even, clients. But you need to realize that if you're going to be elite, you cannot do it by yourself. And so this whole notion that many people were taught about you've got to be self-reliant and you've got to be able to solve all your problems by yourself and you've got to have all these skills and stuff. That's all total, absolute nonsense and, and crap. You just cannot do that. You've got to say, basically, I don't know how to do anything at all. Therefore, I'm going to find the best people I can possibly attract to me and let them do it all. So that's it. There's only three things. Mindset, system, team. Love it. Love it, love it. And you're you're preaching to the choir here because I always talk about strategy, system, support, and state of mind. And that's there how you, you scale your system. And I love the notion of, um, I, I do think it takes a good little bit of craziness to become a good entrepreneur. And I, I do love that you pointed out that you can't, it is a learned skill. You can totally learn how to be crazy. You just yeah. got to hang around other crazies. <laughs> All of a sudden you give yourself permission to be a little more crazy and a little more and a little more. And before you know it, it's like, Hey, I got this wicked idea. What do you think? You get the right people around you that are also a little bit crazy. And it's like, absolutely. That is a great, crazy idea. There's bad, crazy ideas. And there's great, crazy ideas. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Hang sure, around sure. crazy people I and you'll know the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't mean that uh, everybody that's got a crazy idea doesn't necessarily turn themselves into an owner of an elite business. They're just crazy. But but it's it's amazing the, the the slight little difference between absolutely stark raving mad and absolutely stark raving genius. Nice, I love it. So who do you who do you mostly work with? Or who do you love to work with? Who's your ideal client? So my ideal client, Michelle, has got to be somebody that's what I'll, I'll use the term seasoned. By that, I mean, uh, it's one thing to say to people that uh, you really shouldn't uh, uh, buy, uh, buy and try and fail at every new shiny object. Uh, so because there's if you if you think about it from a vendor standpoint, uh, you would want to sell whatever you've got to the masses, you don't want to just sell to the top 5%. There's not much market there. So, so the, the vendors of, uh, let's say, uh, how to build a LinkedIn page or, or how to do Facebook ads or how to uh, run a webinar or how to, uh, 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 let's say, uh, play in the social media field. All those vendors are supplying things, you know, to the to sort of the the middle of the market. And so instead of that, you've got to have experienced it rather than have somebody tell you. So you can say, 
I've done this and this and this and this and this. I've spent tens of 20, 50, $100,000. I've, I've, I've pulled out all my hair and I did not move the needle. My business still is me and two people and we're lucky to do 325,000 a year. And, and that person, when they're at that point, they're, they haven't given up, but they're, they know for a fact what they've done doesn't work. And so that's the, that, that's the time when uh, what I, if you will, espouse appeals to people because I don't have to convince them that following the average is, uh, is, a, is a fool's game. They'll say to me, I've done this and this and this and this and this. So I need you to do something different. And so the first thing I say to them is, okay, let's start with, let's lose your mind. And I mean that literally. I mean, you've just got to reprogram your brain. You, if you allow any of those old thoughts to linger there, we're not going to make any progress. So you really have to, to lose your mind and then build a new program, a new software system. And then once you, and you can do that bit by bit. And as you've already said, Michelle, step one, hang out with the crazies. Hang out with the people who are uh, um, uh, thinking differently that uh, wonder, gee, I wonder if I can just do this with magic. Magic would be good. It's quick too, by the way. Very, very, <laughs> very rarely does magic take days and hours and weeks and months and years. It's usually almost instantaneous. That's the whole idea of magic. So, so really my ideal client, uh, Michelle, is somebody that's seasoned that's already already has experienced the problem with trying to be me or trying to be good by copying those that are mediocre. Nice, I love that. Again, reach into the choir. Often my clients will say, oh, you just have to go and get done for you services. Go hire awareness strategies and you'll be set for life. And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of like it when they fall on their face a couple of times first because then they know what, one, how hard it is because oftentimes the work we do is kind of, in the black box and they're like well what do you guys do that's so hard but once they get in there and they start doing it, it's like oh geez okay <laughs> i get what you do and i don't want to do it and it's all good so yes i totally absolutely absolutely that's number one and then usually michelle these people uh uh because they're in the business of of, of running their business with a whack-a-mole technique i.e the next shiny penny that comes up, they swing at that one. And they do the same with problems or issues as well. It's all sort of a random walk. There's no logic or, or, or strategy behind it. It's just every day, it's just some new, um, it's Groundhog Day. It's a, re, it's a repeat of the past, maybe with different players and actors, but it's the same. So this one page uh, dashboard, uh, which you verbalized earlier when you introduced me, is a part of the system of management, which I teach people. It's called the business mastery system. And uh, that's the system I created for myself, really out of thin air, when I converted my investment bank from ordinary to extraordinary. And then within two and a half years, went from an average player to somebody that was, people were bidding to buy it. And I ended up selling the business to a major firm called Oppenheimer. Wow, nice. Yes. Yes. That is great. quite the major. <laughs> that was awesome. And and yes. part three, because I used a team 
uh, uh, Avinar didn't care about me. I was I was literally almost looked at as the investor because I didn't do anything day to day. My team in New York and in Seattle did it all. So when I sold it, I was free. And then I made my transition immediately into doing the same sort of thing with my uh, with my uh, clients and and uh, mm, full transparency. So I started out as soon as I sold my business. I had a full fledged coaching consulting company because I had all those banking clients of mine that I'd already been playing with, already been helping them, already getting them to change their mindset, to adopt a system of management. In fact, I used my system as a, uh, as a uh, uh, you have to do this tool. So they'd say, Bill, could you raise $10 million? And I'd say, yeah, but you have to use this management system. And so I just went on really with uh, a built-in client base at the very beginning. So uh, I started uh, kind of at the end, nice. or if you will, it's a destination for most coaches and consultants. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So other than yourself, give us an example of your of a Cinderella story, one of your clients. So, uh, so I've, I've been around long enough to have uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. But one I think your listeners would, would resonate with was a young woman named uh, Sarah, and she was a life coach. So some people know what a life coach is, uh, doesn't really matter, but she coached people, in her case, uh, women that were in corporate American or, or, or corporate world jobs. She was mostly um, uh, American companies. And she coached those people to basically uh, leave their corporate environment and get into some sort of a, a, a loosely called a consulting business. So that was her job. Well, she basically had um, almost replaced her income. And by that, I mean, she got paid as a corporate, a corporate player, founded a business and almost got a, the same amount of money back. So she didn't have any more money. She didn't have any more freedom, freedom, et cetera. So but she tried all kinds of things, and I, I can list them all. But in general, it was social media, content marketing, um, uh, product launches. She created a couple of online programs and tried to launch those things. Everything she did was unsuccessful. And so she ended up, in addition to not making much money, spending a lot of money and wasting a lot of time. So she was a pretty frustrated person when I first met her. But right away, by right away, I mean literally in the first month. So this, what I verbalized doesn't take a long time. Uh, once, I mean, you can literally install the business mastery system today and have a result tomorrow. You don't have to know what it is. Uh, it, it, sometimes it's better if you just think it's a black box. I don't know how it works, but at the end, it works pretty well. So what she was able to do in the first literally 30 days was double her best month ever. So she went from making a little south of $100,000 a year, the first year using the, the, the business mastery system, she, she just brushed up to $300,000. And within three years, she was a seven-figure consultant. Nice. And, and what was really nice about it, she only had two more people. So it was herself and two staff, and she'd uh, uh, 10x'd her, her gross revenue. Now, her net revenue uh, went up five times. So she was making about a little over half a million net 
at that point. And that was within three years. That is fantastic. So other than somebody wanting money, which is a lot of entrepreneurs out there and just focus on the money, but what might somebody be, what might some of the stumbling blocks be that an entrepreneur has that they're thinking, oh my God, Bill, I need you so badly right now. Well, stumbling blocks are, um, it's, it's difficult for people, Michelle, to realize when, when all the effort and all the money and all the time they've spent on all these, I'm just loosely going to label them as tactics. Uh, all these things we verbalize are tactical things you can do. They, they have a hard time imagining that they've all of a sudden stumbled across something that would work, that works literally day one, minute one. I mean, literally right away, because they, they don't, they, they can't comprehend it. So the biggest stumbling block is making the leap of believing I actually can jump to the front of the line and start acting like an elite player day one minute win. That's the biggest stumbling block I see. Nice. I love that. So one of my questions that I usually ask people is, how do you think this helps somebody scale their business? But clearly we're talking about scaling your business. <laughs> so, and uh, I would venture to guess that you're not going to argue with me that strategy, systems, support, and state of mind are, are the cornerstones to scaling a company. And so I just added, I added the term vision, mm -hmm. which is kind of a little, a little bit above the, the, the strategy. So I realize that's part of state of mind, but it, uh, people think, oh, Michelle, why, why should I have this outrageous dream? And, and really, it's, it's kind of like a gate. Uh, and, and by a gate, I mean that the more outrageous the dream, the more people that'll be repelled. And, and the reason you want to repel people, people are those are the people that are trying to hold you back. They don't do it necessarily on purpose, but they like you the way you are. So when you start acting weird and crazy, they start withdrawing. And instead, you attract new butterflies, and those people are the ones that are that are going to help you get ahead. So that I believe is is even Trump's strategy. But after that strategy, nice. So on that note, let's talk about. I know that there are people that will say, "I don't want to come up with a huge outrageous goal because what if I fail?" And two. Uh, usually those naysayers are related to them in some way, shape or form, <laughs> or by contract. So when they get their, that vision, who do they share it with? Who do you recommend that they work with? Well, we all have uh, used the word related and related doesn't necessarily fam meet family members, but your, um, your, circle of contacts exist in a large part because they like you the way you are. So if you are a, uh, a, a nice person to be with that, uh, that makes $80,000, $90,000 a year and you drive a Prius and, uh, and uh, what, uh, they're going to like you that way. If one day you say, hey, my dream is I'm going to get I, my dream. I'm dreaming of a different car. I want an, an Aston Martin well, or, or, or a Maserati or something like that. Now, you definitely do not have to think about cars, but I'm just using something that's so dramatically different 
from a Prius, they're going to think that you've lost your mind. And so they'll, they'll discourage you from that dream. Oh, uh, no, that's just not like you. That's for the flashy people, the people that never wear tennis shoes. They only wear high heels. They'll do that. They're not, they're not purposefully trying to hold you back, but they can't imagine you being there. And, and, and the truth is this. When you are there, they won't like you. You'll have to have a new, a new group of peers, if you will. And they'll be the people that are going to going to watch a polo match or something like that. And I'm using these outrageous things to say, yeah, things will be different. Uh, if, if, if you're going to act like, uh, uh, let's say, uh, pick somebody out of the air, if you're going to ask like somebody like uh, Elton John, you're going to act like Elton John? And if, and, if, and if he believes you're acting like him, he's going to invite you into his circle. Other people may not like that. True enough, true enough. It's true enough. <laughs> so peeps, hang around some crazy people. So if somebody wants to hang around you more and share their goals and dreams and aspirations with you, how, how do they get a hold of you? Well, the simplest way is uh, to go in, in, in I've, got a, I've got a book. Uh, it's in pre-publication. It's a short read. But what it'll do is it'll talk about these three concepts, Michelle, you and I have been talking about, and they can get their hands on it easily. And when they get their hands on it, they'll be able to contact me because there's a couple, it's a, it's a PDF book and they can, there's links in there. Getbillsnewbook.com. Getbillsnewbook.com. And uh, they can get a, a hold of me that way. That's the easiest possible way. Nice. And of course, peeps, we will have an affiliate link for you in the details of the show, both in podcast and video form, or you can go to the website to the littlebluepillforbusiness.com slash uh, podcast, and you'll be able to see Bill's show there. Awesome. So I do have to ask you this. At what point in your life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Was it at the moment that you started your company or was it something else going on? Well, it really was shortly after I flunked out of college. So, and what happened is that, uh, is that I went in to beg with the Dean of Men at the University of Washington, Seattle, to get back into school. And he said, why would I want to let you go back into school when I have all these eager freshmen who haven't flunked out of college? And so, so what happened is that uh, he said he made a bargain with me. And the bargain was he put me in the night school. And if I got straight A's, he would let me go back into day school. So I said, being just a, just, a, just a total ignorant guy, I say, how in the world would I get straight A's? I'm the flunk out guy. I'm flunked out of college. And he said, I don't know ask the professor. I said, don't, I don't know, ask the professor. And I'm, I must've been looking kind of dazed. So he said, I'm dead serious. I said, what do you mean? He said, think about it, Mr. Prater, <laughs> think about it. And I said, well, he said, who would walk up to a professor first day of class and say, sir, how do I get a straight, how do I get an A in this class? I said, probably A students. He said, you got it. 
So the answer was, I learned that the secret was to either really be or to pretend like you're ignorant. And if you're in that environment, you'll ask for help. And so I learned that, and I, I learned that same sort of lesson multiple times surrounding uh, ask for help all the time. So at one juncture, uh, I decided to leave IBM and go into uh, entrepreneurship and founding my own business. What did I do? Went to a friend of mine who owned a business, and I said, what do I do? So that's really the secret. It's, it's, uh, I call it the art of ignorance. Nice. I love that. And it may have been you that said this and it stuck with me and it might not have been, but it's, it certainly feeds into this is the idea of, if you don't know where to start, go to your clients and say, okay, how do I get a perfect review from you? And how do I get the perfect testimonial? And being able to set up your relationships in that way, knowing exactly what the clients are expecting from you is an awesome way to be able to express, uh, your goals and your visions and start creating that creativity of, hey, what if we could do that? That would be epic. Nice, yeah. I love that, awesome. Yeah, well, I, I believe you're, uh, uh, you're, the point is, is that the key is to always have in your mind, how can I? If you say, how can I, to anybody, their human beings are wired, hardwired to say, well, you could try that. And so, yeah vendors, clients, customers, prospects, uh, colleagues, uh, anybody you ask that to uh, normally. I mean, it could happen, but rarely. Get out of here, Michelle. It would be, oh, yeah, i got a thought or two. And, there, and those are those gems. And they'd, people just freely give them to you. Nice. I love that. Love that. So, peeps, make sure that you're going to the website and go pick up Bill's book. And any last words for us today? So the uh, very last word is, if you will, what's the fastest path to the cash? Every day you should ask that question to yourself. And, and the answer is not to buy something and spend money on it. The answer is to figure out what in the world can I do today to add positive cash to my bank account? And you'll come up with something. What's the fastest path to the cash? Love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. And it is awesome. Be sure to pick Bill's brains when you get a chance, guys. So this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic that you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at thelittlebluepillforbusiness.com or connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.